You're listening to Life of the Record, a podcast celebrating classic albums, as told by the people who made them. My name is Dan Nordheim. Sigurós was formed in Reykjavík, Iceland in 1994 by Jónsi Bergesen, Georg Holm, and August Gunnarsson. They released their first album, Vaughn, in 1997. In 1998, Kjartan Svensson joined the band on keyboards and guitar and provided the integral arrangements for strings, brass, choir, and orchestra. Their breakthrough record, Hagadis Spiriun, was released in 1999. In this episode, Kjartan Svensson talks through the making of Agatha Spirion on its 20th anniversary. There was more about describing the feel of the song. You know, we used to work a lot like that back then. Rather than, you know, being conceptual and say something important, it was more about what the song was kind of telling us to do. At least it was always like uh, being underwater, like uh, in a swimming pool. You kind of, you know, dive to the bottom and you might just sit there and relax your body. You're floating in space, you know, kind of. Yeah, well, not space, of course, it's water. Then that idea came to be, you know, like uh, being in the womb, you know, like being a fetus or something like that. It's a song that, you know, we never kind of got bored of and everyone enjoyed playing it. We wrote that in a, in a rehearsal space in uh, Skeivan, number seven, in a basement there. I think it was probably Georg who came up with the, uh, you know, the, the three-chord riff. The lyrics in Svepgenglar were, uh, they were all kind of uh, co-written. We used to do that quite a lot back then. Though Jónsi, of course, you know, always has the, the last say about the lyrics, of course, because, you know, he has to sing it. The, the submarine song at the start because uh, it was uh, my uh, organ which I was using then I was plugging it through an amplifier and the frequency aspect of the amplifier and the organ was kind of all wrong so the high E that I play there it kind of came out like a radar like a you know submarine radar sound 
which then was, you know, when you plugged it into another amplifier or into a proper sound system, then of course it wouldn't sound like that. But because it was plugged into this shitty amplifier, it kind of made this submarine type of radar sound. And so we want to recreate that. To start, it was, you know, that sound was also, uh, you know, on the beat, but we, we put it on the second beat rather than the first beat, you know, of the, the bar. Star Oliver is one of the songs that was not made, you know, with everyone kind of sitting together and playing instruments. The original idea was just two chords and then uh, this melody, the string melody at the start was kind of around for a while. We actually started out just doing the string arrangements for that song and we started recording that. Everything else came kind of later, you know, the vocal line and the piano and everything. But we kind of had faith in the idea. I think it was actually Georg actually who played it on uh, a synth or something. The original kind of thing. Georg has, you know, is very, very good with his riffs. Yeah, we got the string players in, and that was a very strange uh, experience. Um, <laughs> getting these professionals, in, and we were just, you know, just over 20, and it was all kind of awkward, and we had a really bad notation software that we were using, and we couldn't print out of it. It was kind of a locked format, you know, in a PC, you know, which belonged to my parents. Somebody knew someone who had uh, some notation software, and we could save the MIDI files, and he could you know, sent it over to us and we could print one copy. It was all on the run. And when we came to the studio, the, the players were all waiting and had been waiting for an hour and they were really annoyed. You know, of course, we had eight players and not four, so we had to photocopy all the sheet music. And we didn't have a photocopy, so we, you know, we, we used the fax machine, which was in the, in the office of the studio. And then, we, you know, it was kind of difficult to, you know, fill in the gaps. You know, the idea was nice. My piano line kind of came a bit late in the process and doing some sort of a beat. I mean, we did that probably on a, on a Nord keyboard or something like that. There's a Mook there as well. And then we have the uh, backwards strings in the end, of course. We were always playing around with this music software that we had. It was called Soundscape. It was a PC software, and you could actually uh, move the cursor of the software you know, with the mouse button. So we were always playing around with that. 
we felt startled was a bit too slow as well. So we speed it up on the tape machine, up a half note. So it is actually faster than it should be. And Jonsi's voice even sounds a little bit more childlike or kind of younger, you know, when it's sped up like that. So when we were doing the, the, the rhythm track for Star Wars, because there's no drums, we also recorded just the fist to the ground. And we ripped some, some grass as well, which is also a, a rhythmical effect on the song, using an old Coles microphone, you know, these, uh, like the commentators using, you know, on the BBC, this strange mic, which, you know, has a, this thing that you put in your upper lip. And, you know, we use that mic quite a lot. And that's also the, the microphone Jonsi sings into. was one of the first songs we wrote for the album. You know, we had loads of songs. It was kind of so easy for us to write back then. It was the first recording I made in the album. We re recorded a harmonium organ in a church down in Reykjavik by the Valur football grounds. There's kind of this chapel there. And they had a harmonium there, which we uh, recorded. Took probably our eight-dot system there and, and recorded it. The lyrics are, they are a childhood memory from August, the drummer. He was in remembering when he was a kid in the country and he was saving flies that were drowning, you know, in the stream. And we thought it was kind of a nice, nice idea. This song we, uh, we never played live. I think we played it maybe two or three times live um, after Kuste left the band. We never played Flugelfrelsen, maybe because it was, it was kind of a hit in Iceland and everyone expected us to play it. <laughs> But I think it was also just out of respect for August, maybe. But anyway, we just never played that song. It was never discussed and was never talked about why or we, we, we probably couldn't have explained it then. I can't really explain it now. Yeah, back then we probably had just, we probably would have said it was just boring or something like that. <laughs>
Ný battery uh, is also a song that was kind of written early in the process of making a good spirion. Probably, you know, a couple of years before or something. Yeah. It was funny, I was looking at the, uh, at the reel sheets you know, from the studio, 24 track double inch reels, you know, tapes. We used to call it Stina. You know, Jónsi had been listening to Stina Nordenstam, the Swedish singer, a lot. And was kind of inspired by her vocal technique. Yeah, we kind of named it after Stina Nordenstam. We got Samme and, and Snorri, the brass players, to come and play uh, on the song. Uh, we didn't know them, and they did a wonderful job of not really playing any notes, just making like airy, breathy sounds. The song is actually, the speed of the song is in three steps. It was both because, you know, August was kind of inclined always to speed up the song. Because it's kind of natural when you kind of play, you know, harder, you kind of want more speed. And we were always really for that kind of playing. Of course, we were using click track, but it was just so difficult to follow it. So we had, you know, three steps in the songs. It was just faster and then fastest. <laughs> These go to 11. It was kind of fun recording the drums on that because it was um, the drums were also recorded in three spaces, you know, a bigger hall for the for the end, uh, what it kind of you know what's, where, when it's really powerful. And so we're using more you know the uh, ambience of the rooms than uh, than adding reverb or, or something afterwards. There are some, you know, machines in the song as well. There's a saw, you know, this huge saw in, in Jonsi's father's smithy, which you can hear, you know, towards the end of the song. And then there's also a printing machine, you know, from where August the drummer was working, was working as a printer. He actually studied printing. We all had day jobs. Then Jonsi was working in the smithy, his father's smithy, and Georg was working on a, at a TV station. And I was a kindergarten teacher. So I would show up at eight, you know, breakfast for the kids after mixing during the night. We did mix the album at least two times, even three times, because we couldn't spend our time in Sealand uh, because it was just too expensive. You know, um, a lot of the recordings and were were made uh, during the night. We got you know night time, which was really cheap. You know, we were. Just the young was no problem for us. You know, when you think about it, there's how could Ken actually do it? He was much older than us. <laughs> Ken Thomas was, I don't know how old he was back then, maybe 45 or something like that. Um, some people sometimes slept on the couch in the studio. Yeah, it, it was probably a bit straining, but it was just so much fun doing this. So doing night hours was like, you know, whatever, you know, we can do night hours or, or day hours, doesn't matter.
Hjartað hamaði sér, you know, in retrospect come to the bastard on the album, I think. It's very often you know, one song that kind of, ah, we should, maybe we should have, you know, not have it on the album. And that's actually an old, a very old idea. It was, uh, yeah, one of the first songs, you know, kind of that the, the, the band did. There's a recording from it from 95, and they got me to play piano on it. Yeah, I was in the band in, in 95. That's probably the song we spent the most time on trying to get it right. And I mean, some people really like that song. You know, I don't mind it. I'm not saying it's, you know, really bad, but it was a lot of work to, to make it into something. I think we recorded the vocals four times or something on that. Jonas was never happy. We got our friend Kau Kau, who was a musician in Iceland. We had a studio together, me, Jonas, Kau Kau, and another friend of ours called Hetti. And uh, we got him to play the uh, harmonica on the song, which was actually quite good. We have a, a Rhodes piano there, which is chopped up in, in hundreds of little pieces. Yeah, it was kind of a, you know, there was lots of producing going on for that song. There was a new SSL desk in, in Sealand, which was the first proper desk in Iceland. And, and then Kus Kus, you know, a few months later got also an SSL, but, and you had never heard sound like that in, in Iceland. You would always have to go to London or, or, or something like that to, uh, to record. And it was just so amazing to be able to have good sound you know, for a little band in Iceland, you know, mm. everyone was just always working with his shit equipment. So that was so much fun recording and then just hearing it back. And it was like, wow, it was so amazing. Lofthors, uh, that's uh, an odd one also on the album. There was just an idea that we had in a rehearsal space in Skaven. And a lot of these songs are actually written there in a basement in Skaven with no windows. Uh, which is maybe good, we could concentrate. But uh, something about that idea, but it wasn't working, you know, with us four just playing it. It was never a you know, song really, it was just, you know, an idea. And so it was all based on arranging it for strings and, and you know, doing something kind of grand, you know, if you will, for that song. Yeah, I think it was me and, me and Jónsi probably who sat down and just did the arrangement, and pen and paper, and kind of, you know, wrote down the structure, you know, of the song. And then we recorded it and always presuming this and that would, you know, be in the song, like, you know, the strings and, and all of that stuff.
was all recorded on tape, and tape was expensive and only 15 minutes long. So that meant, you know, maximum two songs per tape. So that's a lot of tapes, and we, which we couldn't afford. And also the album is, I think, 72 minutes long as well. So it just fits on a CD. Um, yeah, so you know, um, there was no space left on the tapes. But Vera is a bit longer song, so you, it was difficult to fit a, a shorter song after that. It was not, not enough time because all the songs were kind of long. And so we did record that song again, and that's the only extra take of a song. So all the other songs would be, uh, we would just record over what we had, you know, we'd never go back to the other take. I mean, there was never an option. So it was always about just get the take, which is great, you know. <laughs> so it was a lot of concentration, lots of concentration there to get it right. was something that Jónsi heard on the news. I don't remember exactly what it was. I've probably, I think I misunderstood it myself at some point. There was something to do with a war, NATO doing airstrikes and, and, and stuff like that. And somebody said that on the radio, meaning it was a clear sky. Good weather for airstrikes. Olsen, Olsen, we had uh, Sammy and Snorri again playing with us. The string section and uh, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a happy song. It's a, not a party song as such, but it's kind of a celebration. I think the, the original riff is definitely Georg again, <laughs> the riff master Georg. And uh, I think it's based actually, I think he was actually playing around with a Nirvana song. There's a bass line in a Nirvana song that kind of starts very... Yeah, you know, people will know what I'm talking about, I think. There's a certain Nirvana song, which is a... Do -do 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 so, uh, yeah, so the, the two riffs come from there. Doesn't have any lyrics. Yeah, one of the songs that that Yonsi uses this Hopelandic thing, yeah, which has been <laughs> known as Hopelandic, which is just this gibberish. Um, we also based the lyrics sometimes around Yonsi's gibberish, so we would maybe hear words out of that, and we would write. Yeah, it would maybe be a word that would inspire into something else. So I use that quite a lot for 
for lyrics. Olsen Olsen was a song that the three of them wrote in uh, Denmark together. It was before I joined the band. Uh, I think it was 96, I think. They went to Denmark in, a, in an old converted Citroën ambulance. Packed their gear and drove off to Denmark. Went to Roskilde and hit the ferry and yeah, long hair, all of them stopped by the police on the way back and you know <laughs> Olsen Olsen was I don't remember exactly what it was, it was some joke about a policeman who looked strange or something I, I'm not sure and uh, then later I did my bit in the song which is the flute part and the piano part in the song and, and that's probably the oldest song on the album Ágættis byrjun is also a song that I was not involved in writing in the, in the start. I think it's something that Jónsi kind of brought in, which never happens with Sigur. Sigur is always, you know, co-writing stuff. And uh, the lyrics are about when uh, the boys got their first album won, you know, into their hands and went into this cafe and gave it to the clerk and asked him to play it on the... There was nobody in the cafe, it doesn't matter. And he was playing it there and they were sitting there eating soup and bread and listening to this album. Yeah, it, it's kind of about, you know, yeah, this is great, but next time, let's do something. <laughs> yeah, something really, really, really good. Yeah, it's a good start. That's kind of the, what it means. It's a very plain song. Uh, you know, Georg is playing uh, the double bass there. There's an acoustic guitar, piano, roads, drums, really simple. Yeah, it's a really, really simple song.
but we do use some effects and reverbs and, and stuff from another recording, which was, yeah, another recording we, we did of Augustberry, which we were quite happy with, but it was something about it that, you know, wasn't working quite right. I don't remember what it was, maybe the general sound or I'm not quite sure about it, but we uh, it wasn't good enough, so we, we did record it again, which is the version, the album version. Is. The tempo is different, so it's, it's always kind of moving effects and, you know, even vocal effects and stuff. And, you know, it's in totally different speed and all of that, so it kind of becomes, uh, yeah, becomes quite interesting, actually, as an effect on the album version. Avalon is a part of Star Roller, which is, you know, a small segment of Star Roller, which was cut from there and then slowed down, I don't know how much, but, you know, 400% or something. Yeah, so it's it's just that. It's just a, a part of, of Star Roller slowed down. Not with, there are some elements missing, though. But we were always doing this experimenting, slowing down, speeding up or reversing. It is actually really fun to slow down stuff, you know, especially, you know, stuff that you really like, like, you know, classical, you know, slow things down or put some reverb on top of it or something like that. It can do, it's, it's sometimes amazing. of course we want to have a proper you know like concert you know a release concert that's where we rented the opera which cost 70,000 kroner in 1999 which was a lot of money I don't know how much it would be today but I felt it was so much yeah we wanted you know strings we had a grand piano there we got the radio to record it you know the Rostfeu even though we weren't a big band or anything so, you know, it was all very ambitious. It was a really fun concert and it was just, I don't know, it was, you know, sometimes concert can be like, you know, something happens, you know, kind of magic. And I think the audience felt it, we felt it. It was just important, you know, for us at least. And uh, the album came out the same day. I think the opera concert was kind of, yeah, kind of the peak for us, you know, also because we kind of produced it ourselves and it was kind of our own show and... And it was how we wanted to present the show. It was and it was full, you know, full of people, all our friends and family. And so it was kind of a, you know, it was great. And it just everything just felt so right at that time. <laughs> so uh, it's a very memorable concert for me, at least. Although it's twenty years ago. <laughs>
it was really fun doing this album, you know, because we were all young. I mean, I was 19 or 20 or something when we started recording. And, you know, just totally invincible and we're never going to die. And <laughs> the world is ours, you know, kind of. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it was, it was so much fun. Visit lifeoftherecord.com for more information about Sigaros. You'll also find a link to stream or purchase Agatha Spirion, including the recent 20th anniversary edition. Thanks for listening. <laughs>